0: Right. And any conversation that starts from a place of deficit, I can't get, I can't wrap myself around it. I spent too many years, you know, in operating from a place of deficit that I know it like really, really well. Like I, I beyond anything, what I had to learn over time was like, I know my own demons really, really well, probably right. better than anybody else.
1: You're the best expert on you.
0: And, and, and then that allowed me over time to have to work with my demons and then realized that I really wanted to help, uh, help men and women, but I really wanted to help men specifically, especially to be able to work with their own demons and recognize that one, you know your own demons and you can get, you know, un, you know get comfortable with the uncomfortable, um, you can really change. You can really be a catalyst for yourself, really be a catalyst for your family.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Redemption Road podcast. I'm your host, Doc John, here on Redemption Road. We talk to high performers and hear about how they overcome the greatest of obstacles and uh, share their life hacks, share their secrets with you so that you can develop and uh, bring your game to the next level. We've got a special guest today, and this is a gentleman who uh, shares a lifetime worth of great experiences and helps men accelerate their personal development and he helps men to rise up, show up for themselves, and uh, really bring their lives and their quality of lives to the highest level possible, overcoming personal and professional challenges. Uh, this gentleman brings a perspective and a set of skills that have been developed over decades as a U.S. Marine veteran, an entrepreneur, growth marketer, investor, a parent, and a partner. I'm talking about none other than Neil Conlin. Neil, appreciate you being here. Welcome.
0: Yeah, man. When you, when, I'm so glad to be here. When, when, uh when we reached out, had a phone call a few weeks ago, or maybe it was like a month or two ago, I was like, Oh, we're, we're going to figure out how to do things together. And I think this is just one of the many things that we will end up doing together. So really appreciate you taking the time. Today. Oh, a
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. We definitely speak the same language and uh, yeah, I knew it was just a matter of time. And uh, when I resurrected the, uh, my podcast uh, a little while ago, about a month or two ago, I was like, you know, I was like, I, I got to have Neil come on here because yeah, uh, He's got a message that everybody needs to hear. So yeah, man.
0: Definitely. Let's do it.
1: Well, Neil, um, you know, I know you do some amazing work with men. And uh, you know, usually when we're very passionate and we have something near and dear to us, there's usually a great story behind it. And oftentimes it entails overcoming some kind of challenge, or some kind of obstacle. So I'd like to open it up to you a little bit. Uh talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of the major challenges that you've had in your life and what brought you to where you're doing right now, because I mean, you're, you're doing great work. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a labor of love. I can tell you enjoy it. And it's just something that's very powerful for you. And you're helping so many people and something that's, I think has been kind of underserved and, you know, men in society need the kind of work that you do. So talk to me about how you came to do it. And some of the challenges you went through that led you to down the path to doing this.
0: Yeah, I I I love this setup there. I mean, and, and I think this this topic of redemption, um, you know, for your podcast is really, really interesting and critical, critically important, I think, right now. Um, you know, something that I think is really fascinating about our society is that people are now learning how to like um you know, rebound faster and better. You know, in 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 my language, I think one of the lost arts that people have lost the the the, the formula for is recovery. Yes. And and like, you know, um you know for decades in our society, you know, things were pretty much the standardized. I'll say that, right? And I'll get into like how I got here in a second, but just to set the stage for it, you know, um as long as you got up every day, as long as you ate somewhat healthy, as long as you got a certain amount of sleep every day, the world pretty much stayed stayed the same. Sure. And it, and it literally just kind of tilted a little bit in one direction and tilted another direction. Maybe there was a conflict in a foreign country, and maybe we went to war, maybe politics changed a little bit. Um, and the last five or six years are not like that.
1: Right. You can't just turn you know, the crank and know, stay like, in a
0: state of homeostasis anymore. You cannot. And even if you can. Right. I, I, I often say to a lot of people that I know, a lot of men that I know that that have done a very, very good job of like being successful in their own right. They've moved out to a great house in the middle of nowhere. Um, they've said, you know what, I'm not watching the news. Um, I'm I'm not going to participate. I'm going to make money, grow my own food. And be a hermit out here with my family, in the middle of nowhere. Um, we're we're living in a big, big time of uncertainty where all that stuff can be taken away from you in a moment's notice. Hundred percent. And you know, I've built an entire career lifestyle. I don't know even we know what to call it. Sometimes I, I was actually saying to somebody this morning, I was in a meeting. I was like, I haven't felt like I've worked in like seven years, and yet. This is just this is just who I am and what I do.
1: That's and how you know you're doing uh, the right thing,
0: right? Exactly. And, and and I have made a lifestyle out of getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. I I I, I have made a lifestyle out of the fact that uh, growing up, I just never got, let's just say, dealt the hand of cards that makes people successful in their own right. And I and and so just to you know go through that like you know my parents had me when they were very very young they were both Mm -hmm. teenagers, um, very little foundation or framework growing up. Um, Got kicked out of several schools before I was even 18 years old. Um, Didn't actually believe in formal education. Just thought it was I thought it was a big scam Mm -hmm. Um, as a kid. For some reason, I knew that if I kept on, I got arrested. When I was 15, I had a, a police officer in, in New York City uh, when he finally caught me when I was running from him, uh, pistol whipped me across the face oh a couple times. Wow. Uh, I realized that if I didn't figure out something, I was not on the right track. I joined the United States Marine Corps, served a bunch of years in the Marine Corps, jumped out of the Marine Corps post 9-11 and like had a bunch of hard skills, but no soft skills. And just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing and just had this like fire inside of me that said I just meant for something greater than whatever I had. Right. And, and, you know, seven or eight years ago, I had worked myself to the bone, hustled, grinded, you know, to the point where I was living in this 5,000 square foot house. I got horses in the backyard. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got children. I've got German shepherds in the front yard, a stream growing, a stream running through front yard. And I had hustled and grinded myself away from myself for years.
1: Mm-hmm. And I had still reali- missing.
0: something was still missing. I had realized that all on paper, none of this really mattered to me. None of, I, I had built myself into a castle that I no longer wanted either. Sounds like the purpose it, was still missing. So well, the, the the purpose, the joy, like the the reason, all I was doing it was really ultimately this had sent me through this kind of hero's journey or or maybe it is a redemption story of like literally letting go of all that stuff right went through a divorce me, me and my ex-wife are are the best of friends um i had upsetted children you know along that journey um and then i had what i actually call ironically my redemption d- daughter which is my 11 year old daughter mm-hmm. which 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 we have a great powerful relationship that's i'm still working on redeveloping relationships with my other children who are now much older than me, older than they were. Um, but ultimately getting to a place of, um, you know, fulfillment and and something that men really don't focus on nowadays is, 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 is a a wholeness. Right. Right. And, and so then it sent me down this path of, I had tried going into other men's communities and retreats, and I always thought it was really interesting because um, the, some of the marketing around that really is like, you know, you are incomplete, right? which I think is just operating from a place of deficit. right mm-hmm. And any conversation that starts from a place of deficit, I can't get I can't wrap myself around it. I spent too many years you know in operating from a place of deficit that I know it like really, really well. Like I, I beyond anything, what I had to learn over time, was like I know my own demons really, really well, probably right. better than anybody else.
1: You're the best expert on you.
0: And, and and then that allowed me over time to have to work with my demons and then realize that I really wanted to help help men and women, but I really wanted to help men specifically, especially to be able to work with their own demons and recognize that one, you know your own demons and you can get, you know, un, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, you can really change, you can really be a catalyst for yourself, really be a catalyst for your family, really be a catalyst for like business. Every, everybody wants to make millions and everybody wants to buy a Lambo and everybody wants that stuff. And I actually think all those things are super are super easy. But doing the inner work and, and being able to like be a man and ask for some help once in a while, to build a community of like-minded men around you, to show up for men when you just want to check in on them to make sure that they are doing okay. That's where like the hard work started sure. and it started for me, being able to do that. And right. so now, you know, over the course of, I don't know, the last two or three years, you know, now there's, uh, we, have a, we have an online men's community. Um, we run retreats, um, you know, uh, nat- we did national last year. Next year, our first retreats on an oil rig in the middle of the ocean. Oh, I saw um, that one. And um, and just really showing up for people.
1: Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like you said, uh, you know, everybody wants the, you know, the fancy things, the Lambo and the money and everything else. And, you know, theoretically, yeah, I mean, a lot of those things are easy, but keeping oftentimes getting them might be easy, but keeping it and then staying happy and staying fulfilled because those things aren't going to keep you happy for very long. You know, there's a short Mm -hmm. shelf life on any of those things that you get. And then before long, something is missing in your life again. So to continue to have that fulfillment and to have that sense of purpose and overall life satisfaction and a real quality of life, that's where the complicated part comes in. And that's where where you come in with what you do to help them to accelerate the personal development and do the things that are going to be meaningful in their lives. Um, What was, what was the turning point for you in your own life? Like, how did you, what, what were, what were the things that allowed you to, you, you said you were able to see and identify your demons. What were the things that worked for you in terms of conquering those demons and getting a handle on them?
0: Yeah. I, I, I love this question. Um, You know, in all honesty, I think you, you don't know right? Like, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's porn. I don't care if it's alcohol. I don't care if it's drugs. I don't care if it's women. I don't care if it's, um, food, sugar, your own bullshit. Like, you don't know that you've had too much of whatever it is until you've had too much. Right. And, and, and and that is something that like Pete, like, like somebody who doesn't have an alcohol problem, Right doesn't understand what it's like to have an alcohol problem They're because they can't relate to it. I don't know what it's like to wake up in a fog, you know, like, mm-hmm. or I don't know what it's like to have sex with countless women and not remember one of their, you know, some of the names, unless you've done those things. Right. Right. And so, you know, I was, you know, I, I had this moment in my life where I was flying all over the world. Like I was spending you know, I was doing sometimes 10 to 15 flights a month. Ooh, that's a lot of time. And and uh, so I had nothing but time to think, right, on the plane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bourbon and steaks and late nights and all these things. And it was great. You know, black Amex card, all the things. And um, I just got to a point where I just, none of those things were even remotely interesting to me anymore. And, and it just wasn't fulfilling, fulfilling anymore. And, you know, it sent me into, you know, realizing that I didn't have to wait. Number one, I think for, especially for men, we tend to want to wait till we hit rock bottom before we actually change our lives. Right. And like, and like, I feel like that's an old man story that we have to wait until we mess it up really, really bad or we, or we have to nuke it until we do something better. Right. Um, and, and I think we've lost this kind of art of consistency. And, and so the, the funny thing is with consistency is that people will say, I don't know, I'm not consistent in my life. And, and I used to say this, I'd be like, I just can't, I'm not consistent in my life. But the, what I had to learn, relearn over time was that everybody, every single person listening, listening to your podcast, every single person is consistently doing something every day. You are correct you are either consistently not making your bed or consistently making your bed. You are mm-hmm. either consistently meet, eating junk food or you're consistently choosing to be healthy every day. Yep.
1: They don't Whatever you have or more- don't have is from you consistently or not consistently doing something.
0: Yeah. The, y- y- you are not like not consistently doing something like, and, and so the big thing for me really was, you know, one, I had to have this big forgiving and healing where I wasn't going to let my own story you know, mess with me anymore. And so I learned I, I actually turned a lot of the things that I thought were things of deficit lack into kind of my strengths, my, sure. my my ability to get uncomfortable there. And then it really became about consistently doing right. something over and over again.
1: I love that. So you're you're taking the thing that you would normally think, you know, maybe is a deficit, the thing that would disqualify you in a lot of situations and turning that into something that, you know, maybe that disqualifies you from helping somebody else. And now it's something that qualifies you to help somebody else. You're using that as a strength. Totally. You're letting, uh, absolutely. Letting the mess be your message or the test be your testimony.
0: Yeah. And, 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 and it's been a really interesting kind of redemption journey for me because I, I always struggled or I used to think I struggled, but, but I realized that I was building skills because people used like, you know, let, let's, talk about from a business perspective, right? People used to be compensated in their businesses on their ability to do the same thing over and over again. Well, sure. Right. Lawyer, um, you know, executive assistant salesperson, um, all these different things. If you could do that, recreate, recreate a successful groundhog day for yourself, you get compensated for it. Absolutely. And now there's a platform for everything. You want to learn how to make a million dollars? Google it. You want to learn how to make a million dollars as a real estate broker? Google it. You want to learn how to make a million dollars as a chiropractor? Google it. Like the, the business plan is there for you. Mm-hmm. But, but the ability to consistently, right? This is how my brand of press forward was actually built, of consistently and progressively moving forward, making small edits, Every single day in your life, and building muscles and tools so that when you get thrown a curveball, you can just kind of like take it, look at it for a second, and be like, yep, that might sting a little bit, and just keep on going. Right. And this became like really fundamentally clear for me when COVID hit, because, um, you know, COVID hits people, people are grounded, people are sent home, all mm-hmm. these things happened in 2020. And I actually got to a point in, it was like May, June of, of 2020. And I felt severely guilty for a minute because it was probably one of the best years of my life. Mine too. And, and then I had to sit there for a minute and be like, why is this so different for me? Like, 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 and, 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 you know, I, I wasn't seeing family members as much as I would have liked to. Right. Uh, I knew people that passed away from COVID. Um, you know, I wasn't traveling as much as, as I, as I, like I had all, I, lo- I had things taken away just like everybody else did, Right. but I still, my mental, and what I came down to was that my mental fitness, because of all the work I had done with myself and all the time I had, I, mm-hmm. all the time I had spent working myself for that couple of years leading up to that. I was very prepared for whatever it is. Right. and is. I'm very prepared for whatever comes my way.
1: Right. And I, I think you're, you're just, you know, you're taking the words almost right out of my mouth of what I used to tell people during that time as well. I mean, here in Florida, we didn't have a very long lockdown period. I mean, it was probably only from March to May of that year. But the thing about, you know, the COVID and the lockdown is if you didn't have the internal skills, it exposed you. Before, when you had all these places to go, you could you could go to the gym, you could go to the club, you could go to the restaurant, you could go to your nightly aerobics class or wherever it was. And there were all kinds of things that you could do to keep yourself distracted, to mask some of the voids that you had internally. You could still go about things and you could be reactive to things and be okay. Mm
0: -hmm. But when
1: you take all those things out of the mix and they're not available to you anymore and all you're left is with – you're left alone with yourself in a lot of these cases. You don't have all these other outlets, all these other places to go. And you've got to – all of a sudden, you've got to cope and make yourself happy from within – and now you've got to go from being reactive to being proactive. That's the big test. Some you people did. thrive during that time, like you did. And, and I did great with it. I was doing 75 hard and I was like, okay, well, this is great. I mean, I've got my tasks, I've got my things I'm focusing on, and I've got the things I'm going to be consistent with. In fact, it's it's going to even help me be more consistent. And so I had my own plan. You know, I had my own routines, and the people that are regimented and have routines and have their own plans. They they kept on going. They just, they found a way, even if it meant you're out in your driveway, lifting uh, gallons of water and jumping around and watching videos, you know, with your, you know, I had, I had my cell phone on the bumper of my car, in my driveway doing workouts. I mean, you just, you know, people found a way and and thrived and I got in great shape and business was okay. And, you know, people pivoted, other people got way behind and sat home watching, uh, you know, Carol Baskin and the Tiger King and gained a lot of weight. And (laughs) so it was... uh, you know, there, there. If there was a gap before between people, the the gap got widened uh, because the people that were successful were being proactive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was huge. Um, so tell us more.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it, it's interesting because I made this like hard pivot into this work, right? And uh, and I I think this is something you and I agree on and i I think uh, we we actually share a couple mutual connections it's like you go you go from this big business you know whatever it is you could whatever your job was right because what we do professionally is a big piece of our identity you know and um and identities are important you know Mm -hmm. and and then it's I, i do this hard pivot from you know running Techno, you know, tech startup stuff, sales and marketing for for tech startup things, doing all kinds of cybersecurity stuff, uh, you know, is is a big foundational pillar for me. And people kind of get, you know, you know, raise their eyebrow and they're like, nah, "What do you do now? You're you're a man coach? You, you're preaching about ayahuasca and psilocybin and mushrooms and self healing, and that sounds pretty woke, Neil." And um, <laughs> I, I think the whole thing is actually really funny because like I, I, I was thinking about this while I was, you know prepping to be on this podcast with you. And um, And so uh, in 2023, right? I'm, I'm, I'm I, every well, I'll, I'll back up for a second. Every year, I pick a theme for that year. And that's kind of becomes like my, my, my go-to my, my, my apex for the year. Yeah. And so, and so 2023, I'm dedicating the whole year to consistency and, um, and I'm going to be running a half Ironman in May Hell and yeah. then I'm running and then I'm doing a full Ironman in September. And Are you so doing the two was it the two Chattanooga ones? I'm doing main Maine May in May and then Chattanooga in in, in September.
1: Oh great.
0: And so uh, it's interesting because I've done marathon before I've run um, done Spartan and some of those other types of races like that. Um, but this iron the Ironman thing is really interesting to me because I when I started to do research for it. You know, you, you tend to think of that the Ironman has got to be this big heroic journey, which it absolutely is. I'm excited
1: for well, it. a 100 is. I've done three fulls and four halves, and it's <laughs> it, it, it's it, a journey. It, it's to, a thing in and of itself. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it, when you accomplish it, it's it, it's pretty amazing. I and mean, there's there's a lot that goes into it. You know, that's why you know, you see people crossing the finish line, and even if they just finished, you see they're tearful and they're emotional because they just so there's so much that goes into it that most people don't even see until they go through it.
0: Absolutely. Right. And, and so, and so what's interesting though, I think is important uh, that it, that it's a different about how the Ironman culture has evolved is that like, you know, and, and I just got an Ironman coach um, cause I'm a huge advocate for having coaches and things that you've never done before to get oh, you there better, quicker, faster. And, mm-hmm. um, is that you know? Is, is uh, that it, it? Is you can go to a website, right? Just like we were talking about earlier, you can download a training routine. Twenty-four weeks out, you can literally start walking twenty minutes a day. Um, and 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 while it is a journey in the path, beyond a pretty reasonable doubt that if you follow the training plans, eat the right way, get the right sleep, you will on the day of the race be prepared to you know, finish an Ironman, yeah. um, it's, you still have to do the
1: work. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm and, trying to remember what those programs are called. They're called couch to something It's called like couch to start couch to finish or something, but it's basically going from being on the couch to, um, but yeah, they, I've seen a lot of those programs, but yeah, if, if you do follow them, they, they do work. Um, right. I think the right. challenge and, is for a lot of people, they don't know how to follow them. They are, they're not able to follow.
0: Right, it, 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 it's the consistency piece of it, right? Like, yes. like and, and so you know, I um, you know, for a couple months have been kind of sh- you know, shuffling into getting prepared to start training formally for the Ironman on January 2nd, but you know, getting all the mechanics in place, right? Getting the routine in place, and and, and I, in that process, I started listening to um, you know, I've been listening to some of the endurance athletes, right? The well known ones, right? Chad Wright. Um, who's former Navy SEAL who like you know runs basically hundred miles every time you get every time he gets interested in it. Um, David Goggins just came out with a new book. And, and and I was listening to these guys, and I think it's really interesting because it's something that that I struggle with with this mindset culture, because I think that there are a whole, I'm not saying this is this is about David Goggins a Chad, Chad Wright, but there's a ton of people out there, coaches you know, people speaking on stages and they're talking about like, here's how you have a strong mindset and here's how you do this. And here's how you do that. And a lot of these people just haven't done the things. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, and one thing I think is powerful is like, is the other day I was on a treadmill and I get on a treadmill now I hate treadmills. I hate treadmills. I hate them. I hate them. I think they're terrible, but you know, sometimes <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Wait till you to try
1: a bike trainer,
0: <laughs> but, but bike trainer, bike trainer I could do. I have a Peloton. I can get on there. I can do 40 miles. I get on a treadmill. Oh, Peloton's better. Yeah. I, I, I get on a treadmill and I'm like cursing at it in the first three minutes. It's just, there's something about it. I don't know what it is, but what I do is I get on a treadmill and I go, Neil, you're not getting off until you get, get 10 miles in. By end, like you got nowhere else to be. It's blocked on the calendar. You just don't get off until you're done with 10 miles.
1: It's non-negotiable.
0: Non-negotiable, right? Now I get on this treadmill the other day and I'm listening to Chad Wright podcast. I'm I'm running, I'm jogging, I'm taking a breath, drinking some water, get done with that one. I listen to Goggins afterwards. Goggins will motivate you. And he, and he, and he's and he's talking about um, you know, going into dark spaces, you know, while you're running. And I literally sat there and I'm not sat there, ran on the treadmill. And I'm for the next like four miles, I'm sitting there going, how would I beat Goggins at his own game? How would I beat him at his game? And, and, and so I, and so the the thing I think that, that people should realize, I think, is lots of us love listening to Goggins. You love to listen to Andy Priscilla. You love to listen to all these people that, They're telling you how to do the things. Mm -hmm. And I've really been stuck on this idea of like, what's, what's interesting though, that people, because the people, the deficit that people go into sometimes about like, I could never do what David Goggins was. He's a Navy SEAL. Like people will say to me, I've heard this before. Like, of course, you know, of course you're, set up for success you were a marine you know like you grew up in new york city i've heard people say you're a man you're white like there's all these things like of course you're like this and and so i was thinking on the treadmill while i was running how would i beat goggins right and then i was laughing because i thought how great would it be i think i may make this video and challenge him to this because goggins was talking about how all these people email him every day and one of the things that keeps him going is people who you know, complete marathons and Ironmans because they listen to Goggins and all this other stuff. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to motivate that guy. He's motivated enough. How would I beat Goggins? And I was like, I, I would challenge him. I would challenge him. I say, David, I can outrun you. And he'd be like, no way that this 230-pound bearded tattooed guy is going to outrun David Goggins. I'd be like, I can beat David Go- I, David, I can beat you. I could beat you at running, and then he'd show up in his little skim skivvy shorts. He'd be ready to go, right? I'd get on a tread before I got on a treadmill. I'd go and get a bar stool, and I put the bar stool next to the treadmill, and I'd say, "David, sit here. I'm going to run. You're going to sit here, and you're going to do nothing while I run." And I bet I would run longer than that man could sit still on a bar stool. And, and that would be torturous and, for him. He, he may say, I can't do that. And, and right there, I think one of the most important things that people have to realize in today's world, with the way society is changing, things are changing all around you, is, is that everybody, everybody has a can't. Mm-hmm. Every single person has a can't. And, and the thing that I've learned over time, and one of the things that's so powerful about the, the retreats that we do, and the work that we do with people is that we're constantly trying to remove people, people's cants, right? We want to put them in uncomfortable places so that when comfortable spaces show up, you just, it just rolls off your back, right? right? We're, like in April, we're going to take, you know, 15 guys, you know, 28 miles offshore of North Carolina to an oil rig for four days. Right. And we're going to tough it out on this oil, this decommissioned oil rig in shark infested waters, we're gonna go deep sea fishing for dinner every night, um, nice. all this stuff, right? And the whole idea is that if you can put yourself in these uncomfortable circumstances, you will be so much more empowered, so much more enhanced, so much more prepared for all the little things that come at us during in, in our lives every day that you're not gonna care about the little things anymore.
1: right? Puts it all in perspective. It puts it all in perspective. For sure. I love that. I love that. And that's and that's the thing. That's something that you have to cultivate. That's something that has to be, you know, you, you can hear people tell you time and again, how to do it, how to do it. But unless you put yourself out there and have that experiential piece where you go and do it yourself, you know, you're not going to be able to cultivate that. You won't have that grit. You won't have that mental toughness.
0: Totally. And, and I think it's like, there's so much focus on like all the things that you need to do, right? Whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a man, you know, like, and 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 all those things used to have a whole lot more merit to them when you could depend on the external things around you, right? right? And, and I think a big piece of this is like, people need to realize that we live in a time where you, know, regardless of where you stand on any of the issues, you cannot beyond a reasonable doubt, trust the economy is going to work in, yeah. your, in, in your direction. You can't trust that the politics are going to work in your favor. Um, you can't trust you know, that the education system is going to do a good job of, of educating your children. You can't trust
1: uh, the, the packages and the ingredients on the food that you consume. Right. Yeah, you can't and, really assume anything around. You're still going to be there a year, five years, 10 years from now. I mean, there was a time in this country where you could kind of rest assured that these things were going to be there and felt like they're always going to be there. <laughs> it's the last couple of years. <clears throat> excuse me. Last couple of years have taught you anything. It's, you know, nothing is, uh, <laughs> nothing is guaranteed anymore. Nothing is guaranteed anymore except the consistency that you put into yourself. Correct. And,
0: and, and it's been interesting because, you know, some people have asked, you know, if you look at my career, you know, I, I was Marine for a bunch of years, Jumped out, worked at corporate jobs for for several years, but uh, big investment companies, investment banks, corporate real estate, NBC NBC media, a bunch of different startup things. And people, you know, at one point, several years ago, people, before I kind of jumped into the entrepreneur world, people, I remember a, a recruiter telling me, you know, that I was a job hopper. Right and there's like nobody wants to hire a job hopper, Neil. And every two or three years, you're just leaping onto the next thing. And it it at the time I wasn't able to process it, but it really was like it was not the fact that I wasn't getting fired from those jobs. It was the fact that uh, I was learning and mastering what I could from in those roles, and then moving on to the next thing. And because I built up this, this 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 skill set or built up this resilience, you know, to moving on and moving forward and not holding on to the past very much. It's a muscle that like, that, that I'm constantly empowering into other men to be like, you've got to learn to let go. You've got to learn to, to edit. Right. Mm -hmm. I I fully believe that there is no right or wrong decision. I've made a whole bunch of decisions in my life that at the time were, were the wrong decision. Um, but ultimately led me to something that was very, very powerful that I would have never seen on either side of it.
1: Sure. You might not have seen the direct result of it immediately, but later on, you know, it it might've paid off or it steered you on a certain course. So
0: 1000%
1: things happen the way they're supposed to happen. So why do you, let's, let's talk about men in this world and society today. Like why, why do you think so many men are struggling? I, I, I go to the kids. I go to the car line picking up kids, and I see other parents. And, you know, I, I see some of the fathers, and I see kind of a pasted on kind of fake mask of a smile that is hiding somebody that just is unhappy and is lost and maybe emasculated or, or just, but doesn't seem to have purpose. And just really, you just, I, I sense that unhappiness and that lack of fulfillment that they have. But, why do you think it's come to that? Do you, do you think it's become more prevalent or do you think it was always there and maybe people have become more aware of it now? What, uh, what, how do you explain, you know, where, where men are at? Because it, like I'm coming across a lot of men these days that just seem so incredibly lost.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think lost is a great word. Um, you know, when I first got into this work, I had the same question, right. I, I, the same experience and, um, I forget who it was who originally, I think I was watching a a, a YouTube video or something about, about it, but I, but I very much still, whenever this question comes up, believe in this answer that I'm going to give you, which is over the past, like, let's call it 20 years. um, You know, and as a father of daughters, right. I'm a huge advocate for women's empowerment before I, my DMS get blasted. Like they always do when I say stuff like this, Mm -hmm. but there has been for, for the last hundred years, a couple hundred years, whatever it is, there has been this blueprint, right. Of, of what men do. They were that they were the head of the household. They were the moneymaker, you know, they were the, 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 you know, that they, they were the, the dad, right. The father, and sure. they did, their, they had their role. Right. And then, um, when a boy grew up and watched his dad be, be those things, he could replicate them. Now, right. whether or not that was wrong or right, that's just a societal norm that has now become mm-hmm. a change fundamentally. And then when, you know, fathers started or, or husbands started to divorce their wives. Right. um, and, 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 I've been somebody who's done that already. Um, and women's empowerment started to grow. Right. We basically have had a, blueprint that has been systematically erased right little by little and then on on the on the women's side which is beautiful and amazing in my opinion that you have very strong you know movements that have now written or replicated the blueprint that was there beforehand where a, a woman can make equal pay to what a man would make she can also multitask better than we can she can have her children. She can take care of her, take care of her own, her own family. She can, you know, buy her own house and, 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 and all these things, you know, and there's, there, there has only been a very small world of men, you know, who can actually embrace her have that wholeness to be like, and, and how do I you know, expand myself the way that women ha- have been able to, to expand over the past 20 years. Right. And so now you have these men who, especially in the younger generations, it's like this beautiful woman with a great job uh, shows up and she wants to date and she wants to hang out with you or whatever it is. And the, and the, the, the young man who, you know, basically played call of duty for the last six hours Uh, doesn't know where he fits in in that conversation now, right? Right. He doesn't fit in where that role fits in. And therefore there is this, you know, emasculated, you know, I'm just going to hang out with the bros kind of mindset of like, how do I, how do I do that? And I think there's a lot of men, you know, yourself included, you know, the the men in my community and a bunch of other folks who are, you know, reestablishing, you know, what it's like to be a healthy whole masculine man in today's
1: world. Absolutely. And it's and it's interesting, you know, hearing you talk about the history of how that blueprint kind of eroded. And I mean, I think it even got it, it got eroded, you know, pretty far back. I mean, even as far as like the industrial revolution, because you had, you know, father's home pretty much on the farm, you know, modeling things for their sons and everything else. And then the industrial revolution happens and all of a sudden dads are going off into the city to work. So sons are at home with mom, and so even mm-hmm. there, I think that set the set the stage for some of that being eroded in terms of having that role model. And you know, and I listened to you on another podcast before, and I I know you also talked about like a lot of the teachers. You know, kids go to school, and you know, the majority of the teachers are are women, and so and then you have the single family households or single parent households, and so you got all these factors that come into play that that really. Uh, you know, contribute to this, this difficulty, this challenge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of really interesting things, you know, concepts that that we don't think about. Right. And I think you're absolutely right. People will often talk about, um, you know, absentee fatherism, right. I I grew up, my dad wasn't around, but it doesn't have to be that your parents divorced. Um, It could be the fact that dad just worked 12 or 14 hours a day. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's all kinds of funny, um, sitcom episodes, you know, where, you know, men, like, do not like to ask for help or or the, in, in, in comics, uh, comedian <laughs> sketches about like, we will not ask for directions, we'll just figure it out on our own. Right. And then societal impacts of that will include that without having a lot of male teachers in the education system. Um, you know, most boys by the time they're, you know, 18 years old will have spent, I think it's like, it's still maybe COVID changed the number, but it's like you, you basically spend 75% of your childhood, you know, being taught by women. Yeah. Um, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with, with, the, with that other than we drive foundation very, very differently and framework very, very differently because of, because we, of how we biomechanically operate. Sure. I went through a, I went through a really interesting training a couple of years ago um, that was very, very powerful for me. And one of the things they teach in this training um, is that and and this is like a tough thing for people to pay attention to to, to, to process, but because of men's testosterone levels, um, it is very, very different for a man to teach. A young boy, younger boy, about um, trust and integrity um, and words like that. Be- because of this, when 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 a, when a young boy, you know, is growing up, and his dad looks at him and says, "Do you trust me?" He's going to make a certain type of eye contact. His shoulders, which are mm-hmm. masculine, are going to look a certain way his stance is going to look a certain way. Mm. And, and, and that, and in that moment, there is this energetic trans transmutation transition that happens. Mm -hmm. And so men establish trust or integrity, uh, you know, the, the value of their word based on body language. Right. And so, you know, they, they, we would go through scenarios and then if a, if a mom who was just a single mom trying to do the best job that she could based on the tools and the resources she had sure. was saying to little Johnny or Steve or Stevie whoever it is do you trust me but he does but she doesn't have the pheromones and those same pheromones the level of confidence in the eye contact the shoulder stance and all these things when that young man gets older and he doesn't have those things and he goes under pressure with other men or he gets pressure checked on, on, you know, is he accountable? Does he have integrity? You know, how does he operate when people aren't around then the foundation's broken. Right. And, and, and that's what you see a lot of now in the societal norms, you see politicians who will in a moment, you know, completely backtrack on what they said three weeks ago. And for some reason they think that that's okay. You will see that, you know um, you know all these new things are coming out about you know on twitter and different platforms and all these different things that are happening now as a result of people's foundations are just skewed
1: right well there's no consistency there's no people aren't doing what they said they were going to do anymore they're flip-flopping then you know you don't know what to believe right exactly man that's powerful so how do you go about, you know, with with the, with the guys that you work with? I mean, so we've, we've got the old traditional sense of what's masculine and then, you know, we've got this new world and, you know, we've got women that are more independent and are able to do more for themselves. And you mentioned the guy who's been playing call of duty, who's kind of intimidated by that woman. So how do we, how, how do you get these gentlemen to become integrated so that they can, they can still have the traditional masculine elements, but, can also be equipped to deal with the changes and, and to not be threatened in those situations so that they can embrace them.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love
1: the question. It, it, it's a tough
0: one, right? It's a tough one because we all have this narrative and we all have this story of, of, of what a man is supposed to be. Uh, And and we actually live in a world where now become choosing to be a man is is, you know, becoming uh, an epic, you know, responsibility, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and, 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 and you have to be accountable for it, right? Um, you know, I, I kind of subscribe to this um, warrior monk philosophy, where, where I think what happens is, you know, whatever version, version, version of a man, you know, one has, um, that's up to you. You, you you could believe in jesus you could believe in allah you could believe in whatever you believe in mm-hmm. um, but you got to believe in something greater than yourself right Remember, i i think that's an important piece um, but we believe in this warrior monk philosophy that we want nothing but peace we want the inner peace and if for some reason you know there needs to be somebody to step in to protect somebody else, to be in a place where they have the tools and resources to do so, they can do so beyond a reasonable, reasonable doubt. Right. You know, um, not to digress too much, but I'll bring it back to this, this, this piece of topic a few weeks ago on the news, I think it was right around Thanksgiving. There was this um, video clip in California of an Apple store and these three Looks like teenagers, early 20s kids um, had masks on you know, hoodies on Mm -hmm. and all three of them went into an Apple store. They were in the store for about four and a half minutes and they ran around the store and ripped all the iPhones and iPads right off of the tables Mm -hmm. and left with like $40,000 worth of merchandise in about four minutes. Wow. And the news, right, was, you know, Apple Store gets robbed, you know, like all about these kids. And I watched this video on, I think it was just came up in some, uh, uh, something on Facebook or something like that. And I wasn't pissed off at watching the kids. What I was pissed off at and frustrated watching this video was the store is full of men.
1: Nobody took action.
0: No one took action. Nobody and 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 you could look from the way these kids these young men are dressed. They they couldn't have been older than 17 or 18, or right. maybe they were 21, 22. They were all 110 pounds. Um, but not one man sat there and grabbed that young man by the scruff of his neck and said, put that shit down. And and we live in a world where that's the way that a lot of people are operating. And I really <laughs> I Somebody really else's have,
1: responsibility.
0: Someone else's responsibility. But the reality is, is that undisciplined, as someone who's been there and had to de- take the time to develop my own skills and my own resources, undisciplined boys will just become undisciplined men. Yeah. And then at some point they will be called on to actually make a lifelong choice that will affect themselves, their community, their families. and, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately, if they don't subscribe to some kind of philosophy, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, you know, we want we want routine in our lives. Mm-hmm. People don't realize this, but we want routine. We want consistency, right. Right. right? We 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 crave it. We crave to know what we're working on. We crave to have goals. We crave to work on some kind of purpose greater than ourselves. Sure. But it just becomes too easy to numb those things. Right. And act, especially in the way the world is right now, right. it becomes too easy to, to practice avoidance for all those things. Right. And, and so, this idea of constant, you know, you know, of, of putting uh, goals in place, have put, focusing on a purpose, even if you right. got to that purpose and you realize that it wasn't the thing, you will now have built a muscle that you're capable of purpose
1: sure. and then you can shift into another. Purpose. Sure. And and I, I love that. And when you were talking just now, it just reminded me of uh, what I heard Jordan Peterson said, and he said, so show me a person that's never had responsibility and I'll show you a person who's lost. And mm-hmm. so when there is no responsibility, when there's no accountability, and like you said, these be people that haven't been held accountable for anything, and then gonna, there's going to come a time where they're going to have to make a decision an important life decision, and they're not going to have a clue what to do. And they're not going to know, you know, and those responsibilities, people begrudge them, but they're they're there for us because that's what gives our life purpose. And that's what helps us to have direction and and be able to make better decisions later on. So, and and because of
0: the way, and because of the way the world is, we don't know what, like, like some of the decisions that people have had to make, you know, in 2020, right, to your point, you know, it really uncovered like what people were capable of, right. you know, like, you know, for for the most part, you know, the, the system that most of us, most people subscribe to in some way, shape or form is, is built to, to numb you. You know, you will get up every day, you will go to work, you know, at a place that as long as you show up there, they will give you a paycheck and you'll take that paycheck. And you'll get food, and then you'll eat that food, and then you'll do the thing tomorrow. And and I think that one, like, there, the post pandemic year, you know, so many people are stressed out. And to your point, that that dad who's in the line picking up his kid, so many people are stressed out and anxious and all those other things. Like, I've become a firm believer that one of the biggest struggles that men go through right now is not finding a purpose. I mean, it, that's important. It's not you know, finding out, you know, happiness, it's the fact that our nervous systems do not have a bear or a tiger in our lives right now. Mm -hmm. So without that, what do you like? We are built to, we are built, our nervous systems are built to be able to, you know, have some big tiger that we might Mm -hmm. have to avoid you know some big threatening thing oh, that we have to navigate so good. through and and nowadays we don't have that we don't have a tiger coming at you you know even war you know the likelihood of the us especially you know someone coming to take anything from us mm-hmm. is not possible and so like we're we don't, we're, we're finding problems that yeah. we don't have in order to find some kind of tiger
1: we don't have to go on any real hero's journey anymore
0: exactly and a big oh, piece of a big piece of the a big piece of the retreats when I started to build these different retreats it was like I'm gonna get men together and and we're gonna go on this kind of hero's journey it's, it's been yes. one of the funniest it's been one of the funniest things is because lots of times early on when I started scheduling my retreats men would sign up and they would say like you know what's the schedule what's what's the agenda
1: and I'd be <laughs> like I'm not telling I'm not you telling you I it's so funny because our group we went through the same thing and we had a we had a gentleman and and this is someone who was he was a former um first responder and he wanted to he wanted to he know the exact schedule and everything else and everything. I'm like we, we can't tell you that part of the point of all this is so that you can be prepared for whatever life throws your way and that you can pivot, you know, when things get unpredictable. And it's when you have an uncertainty in your life, that's when you learn. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that that, he didn't end up signing up and that was his feedback. He's like, you know, it seems sketchy because we wouldn't tell him exactly what we were going to do. And uh, I was like, okay, well, clearly this isn't going to be the event for you. Cause I mean, part of the hero's journey is to, you know, expect the unexpected and be able to deal with that. But everybody Mm -hmm. wants things predictable. Everyone wants things in these little box and to be able to, have it be cookbook and nice little recipe and follow the steps and, you know, rinse and repeat the same thing all over again the next day. Right.
0: I I, I love that. And and it's one of the things that that I try to navigate very, very intentionally because mindset work, personal development, these things, and they all serve amazing purposes, right? They can be great openers and, you know, what they end up creating sometimes is a terrarium. You're basically in a terrarium for a weekend. You -hmm. show up, they give you the workbook, they've Mm -hmm. already done all the work for you, they ask the prompts, they ask the questions, right? And and again, if you're looking for places to start, I think those are powerful things. But there's no consistency gets built in you being able to live in a terrarium for a weekend where they feed you, they prompt you, and you just kind of have these aha moments. If you can't take them back home and take them into practice, right. then you're just you're just wasting the dopamine hits.
1: Right. There's no you're not challenging yourself enough.
0: You know, and 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 the thing that I mean, like I think you and I are somewhere in the same age bracket. I think it's something that that men don't think about, haven't thought about. Recently, at least I haven't, but, but I have both my grandparents, grandfathers are still alive. They're both in their nineties. Wow. And, and I've watched as they've gotten older and it's really been fascinating because, you know, when, when, when I was in my, let's see, 16 years old, you know, when, when we looked at a, a great uncle or a great aunt or somebody that was like in their late fifties, um they were you know close to heart attack really overweight um smoking marlboros and drinking budweiser's right Right. like like that was just a generation of people that existed then sure and 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 when when they were in their teens or they were younger they were not thinking about what it was like to be in their 50s and so when so in today's world because of healthcare and because of pharmaceuticals and because of all these things, most of us beyond a reasonable doubt, unless you have some kind of ailing health condition are going to live into our eighties without even fucking thinking about it. Right. And, and so now like I really do, when I work with a lot of men in the, in the spaces that we work in and women too, for that matter, just in different spaces, I, I think that like the 30 year old version of yourself, if you're in your thirties, has a responsibility to the 60 year old version of yourself
1: to Absolutely.
0: have 60 year old problems and not still be working 30 year old through 30 year old problems 100%. then when you get into when you get into your 40s you have a responsibility to 60 year old self not to be working on 40 year old problems right. when you're in your 60s and so on and so forth when i when i when i get into my 70s i want my only problem to, problem to be how often can I see my grandchildren? Right. Like literally, like that's the only problems right. I want when I'm in my 70s.
1: And this is why people need to do the work. And, you know, when I was at the VA on my internship, this, you know, we had a male trauma therapy clinic, uh, you know, for men that had been, you know, through male sexual trauma. And one of the things, you know, that everyone had to keep in mind was, I mean, a lot of times when you have these traumas and they're unresolved and you don't do any work on them, you, you kind of stay stunted at that level of maturity whenever that trauma happened to you. And so mm-hmm. if you don't do the work now to, and I hope everybody here is listening to this, if you don't do the work now to address that trauma, you're going to stay stuck at that level of maturity. So if this happened to you when you're 20 years old, you could be 30, 40, 50, 60. And there's a big part of your mentality that's still going to be stuck as a 20-year-old. And, you know, Neil, like you're saying, you you, you owe that to the, your, your older self to be dealing with the age-appropriate problems and not still be dealing with the problems, you know, of somebody 30, 40 years younger. And Absolutely. And, so and confront these things.
0: And the hard part is, you know, is, is that what people don't realize until you're on the other side of those things,
1: right? Is like the
0: um, I'm sure that somebody who's a scientist can say it's better with me with some really good scientific language. But the emotional chasm that has to be bridged in order for you to do that is just gets longer and longer and longer from the thing that is holding you back. Mm-hmm. And and hold on someone's trying to call through um and you know we had a retreat several months ago and the gentleman who came to the retreat was i think he must have been 68 or 69 wow and we um you know we're, we're having this amazing retreat weekend doing all the things the meditations the breath works the challenges all the things and we get the we have this exercise that we do where we identify where uh, <coughs> age wise where what what the problem you're working on is, and and the pro- he he voiced that the problem that he's working on you know was from when he was like 11 years old. Yeah, and 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 the emotional chasm, right? So you now you now have this problem you know, that is now 50 years old or whatever it is, 60 years old. Mm-hmm. And the emotional chasm, right? The the willpower that you have to to put into this becomes harder and harder as you get older. The distance that you get from it becomes harder and harder to release, harder sure. and harder to let go.
1: Not to mention and, everything that's kind of snowballed. I mean, it's like a snowball that started when you're 11 and you go through those 50 years. That snowball has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger in terms of you know, the complications that it's caused for you in your lifetime.
0: Absolutely. And And, and, and I I like the snowball metaphor. I, I always like to use, I also like to use the, like, it's like a, you have a stack of paper of memories in your head. Right. And, and there's this one little piece of paper that's, you know, down 400 pages of paper, you know, in the, in the pile that you just want to throw out. You just want to get rid of it. You just want to like, let go of it forever. And every time you start flipping through the pieces of paper to try and find it, you just end up getting stuck on another memory, stuck on another emotion, stuck on another feeling. And you just, again, as you get older, you only have so much willpower right. to use every day that um, you just never get to it. Yeah. And therefore you
1: carry it with you the whole time. People's core beliefs just keep putting them in the same situations over and over and over again. And they keep putting themselves in those same situations that confirm those core beliefs that happen from that trauma from that what happened when they're 11 years old. And so you just keep and you keep living those same situations over and over again. And so before long you get, you know, 50 years worth of evidence, you know, that you're trying to overturn and mm-hmm. it's hard to fight through. For sure. Wow. This is, this has been powerful. I need to be respectful of your time. I just saw how long we've been, we've been rolling here. We've been, uh, we've been in a groove. Wow. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the retreats and a little more about what you've got going on right now. Um, because uh, I know, I know you've got some big things that you set up ahead for the year uh, to tell us a little bit more. Cause uh, I know you've got some great things that people need to be a part of and uh, to avail themselves of. So talk to us about your, what you're working on right now.
0: Yeah. I, I appreciate the, the, the question there, you know, I really have a ton of respect and honor for the, for the guys that are already in our community because Um you know, it it pushes me to deliver more, better, um, more interesting, more compelling, you know, experiences. And so, um, you know, 2022, we did, we did them all over the United States. Um, And then I thought, you know, the planning phase for this year, how do we go bigger, better, more compelling, more uncomfortable? Um, So, you know, we've got a big, big year planned of, of, big compelling retreats the first one is April the weekend of April 21st um, at this oil rig um, called the frying pan uh, which is 28 miles off the shore of North Carolina so all the guys will muster and and arrive uh, on a Thursday they'll then helicopter or fly out you know to the oil rig um, spend three days there uh, and like Let's get comfortable being uncomfortable for three, for three days. Um, and then we've got that a whole bunch of other phenomenal. retreats. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, 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 it is the ultimate hero's journey being impressed forward, right? Because you think about the stages of the hero's journey. Um, it is a man has a man has a struggle. He goes on a quest along that way. He finds a group of men who have similar, but different struggles. Mm-hmm. Along that way, they conquer small battles and small uh, and small tasks and challenges, mm-hmm. and then they conquer a dragon at the end of it, and then go home with a prize.
1: Yep, like a, couple of, a every... couple of prizes, really, because you're you're going home with your confidence. You're going home with brothers who you went through that battle with. Mm-hmm. So you, you got a, you got a couple of priceless things there.
0: There you go. That that's the whole, the whole story, the whole plan, the whole story is to do that.
1: Love that. And uh, yeah, I've gotten my partners and I, and we're putting together some retreats for next year as well. And that's, that's, that's exactly our motivation as well as to, you know, to, to send them on that hero's journey to, to challenge may involve breaking some things down to build back up again, and then, uh, and get them going in the right direction. And um, you know, reaching, reaching over those things that seem insurmountable. And, you know, that's just, it cultivates that grit and that mental toughness and that discipline. And, um, you know, they learn that accountability along the way and yeah, it's just, it's a powerful experience. And, you know, they leave there with, you know, like I said, that confidence, that credibility with other people, that credibility with themselves. And then when you've got a group of like-minded people with you, that brothers that, you know, you've been through the battle with, you know, you can trust and that's powerful as well. Because I'm sure a lot of guys come in have a hard time trusting other people. So that's uh, that's another battle, another battle, and another uh, obstacle that a lot of these guys get past.
0: Yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, I, I love that because one of the one of the intersection points is uh, I'm a firm believer that everything on the everything in your life happens at the speed of which you trust the circumstance. You yeah. you, you 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 cannot. You know, I'll, I'll we'll wrap on wrap up on this note because I think it's it's a powerful one. I always say to people, you know, anyone's ever been to a concert, right? Like because it's, it's the easiest kind of way to wrap your mind around this. But if you go to a concert and the music is good and the vibe is good and the people are good, you will have this great existential, amazing, awesome time, right? What well, you don't realize in those moments because you're having such a good time is the amount of safety and security that has gone into that in order for you to feel safe enough and trust, trust enough to have fun, right? Yep. Then there's the other version of a concert that a lot of people have been to where that level of safety, security, and trust doesn't go into it. And that thing can get out of hand really, really fast.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What you don't realize is that in your relationships, in your businesses, in your mind, in your health, in your wealth, in your belief system that constantly, the only way that you can experience anything positive is if you trust the environment, the circumstance, the people you're with, how you're doing it, where they're doing it, why they're doing it. And so hundred percent, if you can reevaluate how you trust people and you can trust yourself more, you will be more likely to be successful.
1: Well said my brother, where can everybody find you?
0: Yeah, man, I appreciate the time. Uh, I've got people banging on me to get on to next call. I'm laughing at this. Um, so, but at I am Neil Conlon um, on all the social media channels uh, or www.neilconlon.com.
1: N-E-A-N-E-A-L-C-O-N-L-O-N. All right. Well, Neil, thank you so much for your time, everybody. If this resonated with you, this is a very powerful episode. Uh, if you got a nugget from this, please share the episode. Please go online, leave us a five-star review on Apple, iTunes, and on uh, Spotify. But in the meantime, everybody have great holidays. Go out, make someone's day better. And be good to yourselves. See ya.